0: To speak of why it upset the character so bad last week, why when we refer to just Happy Holiday in Matthew chapter 1, the scripture says, through verse 1 through chapter verse 5, it says, In the beginning, the Word already existed, He was with God, He was God, He was in the beginning with God. He created everything that there is. Nothing exists that he didn't make. Life itself was in him. And this life gives light to everyone. The light shines through the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. You know, when we gather together, all hundreds and thousands and probably millions of people across this world we we'll gather together and, and with different emphasis, but as you and I come together, we need to understand the significance of why we gather, and that is the importance of Jesus in Christmas. If you were to take the word Christmas and remove Christ out of it, you have a mass, M-A-S, chris must, however you pronounce it. But you see, the celebration, you know, we can have a birthday party. We can have a celebration. But without Jesus being in the center of what we do, it doesn't mean anything. Nobody, I, I guess, can be so brutally honest like a child. And one child wrote a letter to her aunt that went like this. Thank you for Christ- the Christmas present that you sent me. The present you sent me for Christmas was almost good as good as the one I really wanted. You see, when God the Father gave us a Christmas present in the form of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, without question, He gave us the greatest gift that we could have ever imagined or we could ever want. You know, I can't help but think that when we get to thinking about the Lord's Supper, and we get to thinking about the future, and we get to thinking about the time we're going to spend with Jesus, and then you can't help but think that, My mom and many of your relatives and Terry and and Lanny, they're all there on the other side. They know everything that we read on this side. They understand it, though, in the reality of what's to come. A few years ago, a couple of months before Christmas, the wife of a male carrier had been killed in a car accident. This mail carrier had been overcome with grief and was trying to work through his sorrow, and he had stayed late at the post office sorting through the mountain of mail that always come through at Christmas time. His job that day was to go through all the mail that had been lost to find out where it should be rerouted. Well, he opened the first letter and he, it was addressed to Santa Claus. He noticed that the address at the top of the letter was his. Looking down at the bottom of the letter, he saw that it was his only daughter's signature and the letter read like this. Dear Santa, my mommy died two months ago and since then my daddy has been crying himself to sleep every night. He says only eternity will heal him. Would you please send a little bit of eternity to my dad this year at Christmas time? well it was god the father that not only sent us a little bit of eternity but he sent us the very heart of heaven to you and i it's the very heart of why we gather why we celebrate why we look at the significance of christmas time because it's the heart of heaven that came from eternity to spend that time with you and i john mentioned it this way in the epistle first john 4:14 4, the father has sent his son the Savior of the world. I hope your kids know John 1, 1 through 5. I hope, first of all, they know who Jesus is and who Jesus was. The Scripture says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, I, I've heard all kind of theological debate on this, and and uh, the Jehovah Witness and many other spin off of this and say, no, Jesus wasn't God. He was a God because they believe that humans can obtain deity. They believe that we could obtain and be God. So that's why they say, is a God. But here in the scripture, it says, was God. Now, if you ever doubt the incarnate of Jesus, go to verse 14, which says, and the word became flesh dwelt among us and we beheld his glory and the glory as the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth man if that verse don't nail it to let you know that jesus is the word you see john identifies jesus as the word as the unmistake in an unmistakable fashion so there's no misunderstanding who Jesus is. You see, John begins by telling us in the beginning. Well, that's a unique phrase because we find that somewhere else and we find that in the book of Genesis. From the book of Genesis, we see in the beginning as we were looking, as, as we look at it through the creation of man. But when you come to the, come to the book of John, you, you look at it from a perspective of what? who the existence of God was. You see, Jesus, the Bible says, was eternal. He was God. And uh, while you and I have sometimes difficulty explaining that, we have to admit that before the cosmos, there was Jesus. Before the sun was to shine, the moon was to glow, when stars were cast and twinkling in the sky, and the rivers were flowing, before all of that, there was Jesus like God the Father, God the Son, they never had a beginning because there's never an end. They're all, they have always been. Now, sometimes we get this stuck in our head. We say, well, no, Jesus came about when he was born a little baby in a manger. No, 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 no. Jesus has always been. He's always been the Son. God's always been the Father. The Holy Spirit has always been the Holy Spirit. You see, the Lord Jesus eternally existed in a time when there was no time. And now lives in a place where there is no time. Jesus had his birth in Bethlehem, but it wasn't his beginning. In other words, there was was not ever a time when Jesus was not God. There was never a time when Jesus was not. Jesus is the only person who was ever born. And at the moment that he was born, he was older than his mother and father. Why? Because he's always been. His age is eternal. The reason why Jesus is called the Word is because he was the perfect expression of God, being God himself. A Word is the visible expression of an invisible thought. You can see what I'm thinking. I'm thinking by what I'm saying. Jesus was the visible expression of an invisible God. So the word literally means face-to-face. It's a reference to Jesus being face-to-face with the the Father, face-to-face with the Holy One, and it's a massive uh, uh, image of the Trinity of God. You say, well, there you go, preacher. I'm using that word Trinity. That isn't in the Bible. You're right. But is it God the Father in the Bible? Uh Uh-huh. Is Jesus in the Bible? Uh Uh-huh. Is the Holy Spirit in the Bible? Uh Uh-huh. Well, then you add all that. Well, now, God, we, we believe in three gods. Well, while one plus one plus one equals three, I'll agree with you that your math is right, but your theology stinks. Because, you see, it's one times one times one equals what? You see, we worship one God. But that one has manifested himself and expressed himself in through three persons. And uh, while you say, well, where the Bible say and prove that? Have you ever read Genesis 1, 26? It says, let us make man in our image. Now, if there wasn't but more than one, we already know there's only one God, right? Well, then what is there three of? It would be their personality, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Well, we worship one God, and uh, we know that, that Jesus, the Bible says, the Word was God. That's why Jesus could say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Listen, Jesus had been with the Father how long? Forever. Before the world was ever cast into existence, Jesus and the Father were together. So he knew. He said, man, you see me. I know exactly what the Father thinks. I know exactly what the Father desires. I know what he wants. Over and over, Jesus proved that he was God in the flesh. He was God in his power. Jesus could say to the wind and the waves, peace be still, and they would lay down like whipped puppies at his feet. Jesus could... uh, He was God in his pardon. He could say to a lame man, not only get up and walk, but your sins are forgiven. He was God in position. People would come and bow down before him and worship him, and he would accept their worship. He was God in perception. He could tell a woman at the well who had never met that she'd had five husbands, and the one that she was with was not her husband. He definitely was God in his person. Jesus, who was he? He was God who came and interjected into our time who knew no time so you and I could know him in a personal way and that you and I could receive him as God who came in the flesh. The second thing I think is very important, and that is why did Jesus come? Well, two things are very important in light of the Scripture. Jesus came, number one, to bring life to the dead. The Bible says in verse 4 that in him was life, and life was, was the light of men. Now, only the dead need life, right? Well, the Bible tells us, and it's very clear, that you and I in Ephesians 2, 1... You were made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. You want to know your condition before being saved? You were dead. (laughs) One farmer years ago was trying to teach his son the ways of the life on a farm. He took his son out to the hen house and grabbed a chicken and said, Son, your mama wants to have chicken for dinner. So, son, do you know what that means? With that, he cut the chicken's head off threw the chicken down on the ground. And that chicken was a-flopping and a-moving and a-jumping all around. And the little boy's eyes got as big as silver dollars. With great amazement, he looked at his daddy and he said, Dad, there's a chicken that's dead and doesn't know it. You see, there are a lot of those people in this world that are walking around without Jesus, and they are dead and don't know it. Because the Bible tells us that it's in Jesus that He came to give us life. He came to give us life more abundantly. He came to give us eternal light, our life, and He came to give us life in our own body. You see, the reason your heart beats and, and your lungs work and your mind is able to think, because the Bible tells us that it's through the mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have life. When life ceases, it is because Jesus agreed and that person had to leave. Well, not only did Jesus come to bring life to the dead, but to come to bring light to the dark. Verse 5 says in the light in first, or John 1, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. You see, a person without Jesus is not only spiritually dead, but they're spiritually darkened. They can't see. John 8, 12, Jesus said, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. It was Paul who said in Ephesians, For you were once in darkness, but now you're in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. God called the Apostle Paul to preach the gospel to a lost world, according to Acts 26, to open their eyes and to turn them from the darkness to light. You see, Jesus not only came to regenerate the dead, he came to illuminate the dark. This world was in darkness. And you know the sad thing about it? There are those that are walking around in this world that are trying to find the light, but they're actually walking in the dark. Because the light can only be found in Jesus. One of the most beautiful verses in all the Bible is 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, which says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ well stories told of a drunk one night who was on all fours and he was he was under a street light and feeling around on the ground and a friend of his come up and said Sam what in the world are you doing he said man I've lost my wallet so the friend got down on his knees and he began to look with him and and tried to find the man's wallet and but they couldn't find it finally His friend said to his drunk buddy, are you sure you lost your wallet here? Well, no, in fact, he said, I lost it a half a block over there. He said, then why are you looking over here? He said, because there's no street light over there. You see, you and I, we see people every day who refuse to come to the light when they find it. Or they reject it when they do find it. Jesus tells us in John 3, 19, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Can I ask you a question? Are you drawn to the light or are you drawn to darkness? Would you rather live in the dark or do you enjoy walking in the light? You see, an inscription found on a gravestone of a very, after a very devastating air raid on Great Britain during World War II gained national attention. The people thought that it was a famous quotation, but really it was just an old lady whose dog was killed by a bomb. And here's what she wrote on the tombstone. There is not enough darkness in all the world to put out the light of one small candle. You see, Jesus came into this dark world to give it light. And in Jesus, the Bible tells us there's great light. There's great life that you and I have been provided for. And only God can give the man the greatest gift of all. And he did that when he gave us the Lord Jesus. Only the Lord Jesus can give man the greatest gift of all. And that was the life for a dead soul and light to his darkened heart. You know, probably this year, <clears throat> more than any, I find it with great difficulty sometimes to keep a smile on my face, to keep my chin up. And, and some of you have been through what I know 1 Peter 1, 7 says, a trial of your faith. And I don't understand the rest of that which says that that trial is much more precious than gold. For you see, I don't like to go through trials. Do you? I don't go to the altar and pray, Lord Jesus, because I want some gold. I want you to put trial all over me. I don't pray that. I don't pray that I go through some hardship, heartache. Do y'all go praying those kind of prayers? But even though you don't pray it, guess what? They come anyway. And they'll catch you in the light of life. And they're all over you before you know what's hit you. The truth of it is, and my wife and I were talking about this last night. The real, I believe the real intent of what God's up to is that regardless of what comes our way, He wants us to trust Jesus. And it doesn't matter about the storms that Peter experienced. It doesn't matter about the heartache that that David faced and Joseph faced and Moses faced and Aaron faced. And we could go on and list them all in the Bible. It doesn't matter all the things that we go through. But If if at the end of the day we don't really understand that the reason for the season is Jesus and trusting in him. It's easy to point and be bitter. It's easy to look at everything that don't go your way and get mad and blame God. I can tell you this. The Father wants all of us to simply trust in Him. And don't waver. Don't take your eyes off the goal Because He is our reason for our season. Amen? Would you stand with me just a moment?